So my apologies about the technical issues from yesterday, but I hope that in your Hashem this morning will be a little bit better. It is an incredible schos to be able to learn this daf with you from Yerushalayim, Ira Kodesh. And today's daf is Tes Zayin in Meseches Moed Cotton. We are picking up on daf Tes Vav Amadeis 15b. And we are picking up, let's pick up again, uh, two, four, six, seven lines up from the bottom. So the Gemara says as follows, Remember, as we saw in yesterday's daf, that an Avel does not send his carbonos to the base Hamikdash. Why not? This Sanya, Rabbi Shimon Omer, Shlomim Bizman Shu Shalim. Because Rabbi Shimon says that Halachalamaisa, the din in Shlomim, the concept of Shlomim means that a person is Shalim, a person is complete. Velo Bizman Shu Onin. And not when a person is an Onin, because in a state of Aninos, of course, a person lacks that fundamental completion. Such is the nature of loss. That a person is fundamentally incomplete. Menuda So what about a menuda? Someone who's in a state of excommunication. Someone of Yosef Tashma kol osan sham hayu So there's a pretty explicit rayo. Klal Yisrael was in the desert for forty years. During that time, we were essentially in a state of spiritual excommunication from Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and yet we still sent kabanos. That seems to be a pretty good rayo, a pretty good proof to the fact. That Allah Chalamaisa, even a Menuda, can remember, Claudius was Menudin because in the aftermath of the Chet Hamaraglim, the sin of the spies, there was a fracture in the relationship between us and the Ribbono Shalom. So the Gemara goes right there. So you see from here that a Menuda can go ahead and send Karbanas. Um, so the Gemara says, says, well, maybe spiritual excommunication is different. Maybe it's a little bit more lenient, to which the Gemara says, kill. Remember, we had this in yesterday's death. Abayi and Ahmed Aleph said that being excommunicated by a Kaddish Baruch Hu, is even more chamer, is even more extreme, is even more severe. So how can now the Gemara go ahead and say that halacha that Allah that is less severe, to which the Gemara says, sorry, to which the Gemara says, uh, Abai was Mesopic, So we saw the same idea in yesterday's daf. Abai wasn't sure. Abai wasn't sure. Is being excommunicated to Shammai more chamer, less chamer? So that ultimately, again, Abai was unsure. And therefore, Halacha Lamaisa kind of, here's what he knew. He knew that spiritual excommunication was not the same as earthly excommunication. Whether it's more chamer, less chamer, that seems to be a little bit of a dispute. But he understood that it was fundamentally, fundamentally different. So the Gemara goes weiter. So the Gemara says, um, Good. Mitzor So what about a mitzora? So also remember again the pattern of this gemara is very predictable. We go from avel to menuda to mitzora. So now we've established that avel does not send his karbanos. Menuda still not exactly sure, right? So what about mitzora? So the gemara says tashma desanya va'acharei taraso, acharei parisha somin hames shivas yamim yisaprulo. So just understand over here. So the Torah over here is talking about an interesting case of a Kohen who became a Mitzora. If you take a look at Rashi, first of all, the Pasuk that the Gemara is quoting over here is as follows. The Pasuk, After his, I'm sorry, that's the Navi Cheskel. After his purification, he will count seven days. Rashi says over here, So the case over here is where a person goes ahead, a coin, became Tomei Tomas Meis, and then he also contracted Tomas Tsaraas. So the Gemara says, tough day for this guy. So the Gemara says, what happens? And then the Pazik says, on the day when he comes to the Kodesh, to the inner courtyard, to, to serve in the state of Kiddusha, he will offer his chatos, top of Tazayin, this refers to the Asira Saifa, that a Kohen Hedyot brings on the first day that he begins his Avoda in the Beis HaMikdosh. Div Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Shimon Omri Shimon says, Bevo Yakriv, Bizman Sheroi Lebiya, Roi Lakrava. Bizman Sheen Roi Lebiya, Ein Roi Lakrava. Rabbi Shimon says, Bevo Yakriv, juxtaposition. When he comes to the Mikdash, he will offer up his Karan. Teaches us a very important lesson with it. When you can come to Beis HaMikdash, you could offer up your Karan. When you can't come to Beis HaMikdash, you're unable to enter into the priest. 
the base hamikdash lachalaisa is not permitted to offer up or not permitted to send karbanos. So based on this, it would appear that since the Mitzorah is unable to go ahead and enter into the Mikdash, therefore Halakha he is not permitted to send his karbanos as well. Good, says the Gemara. So that seems to be the conclusion of the Gemara. So an Avel can't send karbanos, a Mitzorah can't send karbanos, Menuda, the Gemara kind of is, is unsure. Good. So the Gemara says, as well, so now we're going to drill down a little bit into some of the halachos concerning excommunication. So the Gemara says as follows, So the Gemara says, I have no coffee. I miss Sayyid, I miss Sayyid, I miss, Sayyid. I miss Baruch Fischl. I have water, but Baruch Shem, water of Eretz Yisrael is better than any coffee of Chutz Laretz. So the Gemara says as follows, Amar Rava, Minalan, so the Gemara says as follows. How do you know that that we send a shliach beizdin in order to summon someone to come to din? To come to din. So literally, the Gemara is talking over here the mechanics of excommunication. So in the mechanics over here, the Gemara says, how do we know that we go ahead and we send someone, literally we send someone, the Beisdin sends a shaliach to go ahead and and invite the litigant to din. So the Gemara says, this is the defendant. So when Moshe Rabbeinu was summoning Dasan and Aviram to a Din Torah. This is by the Homach Lokis of Korach. So Moshe dispatches a messenger to bring them to a Din Torah. So the Gemara says, I'm sorry. So that's how we know that there's a Shaliach. And ultimately, again, how do we know that they are called ultimately to Din? So the Gemara says, that, so in other words, the first part teaches me that ultimately, again, we go ahead and we send the Shaliach. The second, now we want to know, how do you know that you invite someone to come to a Din Torah? The Pasuk, or excuse me, Adascha. Moshe says to Korach, you and your entire congregation, heyu lefanai, come before me. Good. How do you know that in order to summon someone to a Din Torah, you have to summon them before someone who is considered to be a great individual? To which the Gemara says, Sorry, the coming Gemara. How do you know that it has to, when you summon, when you summon someone to a Din Torah, you have to tell who's the defendant, who's the plaintiff. So the, the Gemara says, you and the other. Vehem v'aron. Because again, when Moshe invites uh, Korach and Dasan Aviram to the Din Torah, he says it's going to be you guys and it's going to be Aaron. The Kavina Zimne, how do you know that you have to establish a time? The Chsev Machar. Because again, all learned that from the episode of Korach. When you invite Sunna, we've established it could be through a Shaliach. You have to tell everybody who the parties are. You have to give a date. You have to give a date as to when ultimately the parties are being invited to the Din Torah. Zimna Basr is Basr Zimna. How do you know again that if the person doesn't show up for the first time, we go ahead and, and, and ask them to come? Using the word invite, invite maybe is a little too light, too too polite. Summon, summon someone to a din Torah. Chsev Karu. So the, actually, interesting of the Gemara is quoting from Yirmiyo. Karu Sham Paro Melech Mitzrayim Shaon Havira Moed. So interestingly enough, they had. We're going to see that they they called on Paro. So the, this is the Navi, the Navi over here. So Havir Moed Uminolam Di Mispake Bishlicha De Beidina. How do you know that? Let's say again, uh, going go to this, going to this idea that that you invite someone to a din Torah with a shaliach. So how do you know that if the let's say the defendant, well, it's going to be the defendant, is disrespectful to the to the shliach, to the to the agent of the court, or disrespectful to the process? that the agent is permitted to convey this information to the court and it's not called Lashon Hara. The Gemara says, So remember again, Moshe Rabbeinu finds out that Korach, his followers, refused to show up to a Din Torah and actually they were disrespectful about it. How did Moshe hear that? It must be because the Shaliach, the emissary that he sent, conveyed to him the information. So you see from here that conveying the information about the refusal of the litigant to show up to Din Torah is not called Lashon Hara. So the Gemara goes right there. The Gemara says, And how do you know that we could put a person in excommunication for a failure to go ahead and show up to a Din Torah? Oru Moroz. 
because the Pasuk over here says, Oru Meroz, this is in Shoftim, that we see that Devorah and Barak excommunicated Meroz. We'll discuss exactly who Meroz is for not showing up in the war with Sisra. So ultimately, again, if you take a look at Rashi over here, so the Gemara says, When you excommunicate someone, you have to tell the person who's being excommunicated who's behind the excommunication. Great man has decided that you're going to be excommunicated. Because again, the Pasuk says, this is by the excommunication of the excommunication of Meroz, the Malach Hashem, right? Said this. Good. So the interesting of the Gemara says, how do you know that you're permitted to go ahead and eat in the presence of someone? How do you know that if someone is in Shamta, if someone is excommunicated, that you can eat and drink within their Dalaramas or stand in their Dalaramas? So the Gemara says, I'm sorry, just the opposite. The idea over here is how do you know that when someone is excommunicated, there is a, a, a prohibition to even be in their presence? Yoshva, again, the Gemara is learning that from all these different psukim. How do you know that you publicize the transgressions of someone who has been excommunicated? For they did not come once again. This is all the same Pasuk of Meroz. All of this is being learned out from Meroz. That halacha la that Allah said they publicized what it is that he did wrong. Uh, good. Barak went ahead, remember again, Barak and Devorah. Devorah was the Shofetas, she was the Neviah, and Barak was the general of the army. They're going out to war against Sisra. This is the Haftorah of the first day, of second day, sorry, of. Um, of Rosh Hashanah, the story of the defeat of Sisra at the hands of Barak and Devorah and Meroz. They called for Meroz for, for help, for assistance, and he did not come, so they excommunicated him. So a lot of the halachos that the Gemara is gleaning regarding excommunication are coming from this particular episode. So the Gemara says that Barak, Barak, excuse me, Barak sounded 400 shofros and he excommunicated Meroz. This is interesting. Now that I mentioned this before, there's a machlokis, who is Meroz? One say Meroz was actually a person. Others say that Meroz was the mazel of Sisra. The mazel, like the constellation, or the, the zodiac sign of Sisra. So that when Barak goes ahead and curses Meroz, Either he's cursing a person or he's cursing a muzzle. I had known that if a person is excommunicated, we can literally go ahead and make his property ownerless. So this is by Ezra, and Ezra is trying to convince the Jews to come back to Eretz Yisrael. He says, whoever doesn't show up, whoever doesn't show up, ultimately is going to have his property confiscated and going to go ahead and right, have his property confiscated. So from here you see that when someone is placed in excommunication, there's the ability to confiscate their property, or I should say make their property hefker. It, the truth is it could be both. It could be either make it hefker or Basin could confiscate it. Uminon dinatsinon velaitinon umachinon vitalshinon ser umashbiinon. So how do you know? We'll define all of these terms. Natsinon means we fight with them. Laitinon means we curse them. Machinon, we, rebu we rebuke them. Talshinon, which literally means to remove something. Umash bi'inon, we make them take an oath. Again, we'll define what all of these things mean in just a moment. So just to point out over here, the idea that the Gemara is highlighting is that you could get into, in other words, normally we're a people of shalom, we're a people of peace. When someone is being called to a din Torah and they refuse to go ahead and obey, or they're, they're told to do certain things and they refuse to go ahead and adhere or, or, or just listen to those, really adhere to that directive. So this poses a fundamental 
existential threat to the continuity of community. The continuity of community, especially Bismillah Gemara, was rooted in people's adherence to the directions of the Beisdin, to the directions of the Rabbanim. And when someone did not adhere to that, it really was a danger to the fundamental fabric of community. So the Gemara says, you could fight with such a person, you could curse such a person, you could rebuke such a person, you could uproot such a person from society, you could make them swear that they're going to cease and desist from this negative behavior. Things that we would not normally, again, we're a people of Shalom, or at least we're supposed to be a people of Shalom. So, but yet, in order to preserve order in greater society, we're allowed to do these things. So the Gemara goes weiter. How do we know? Kafsina means we go ahead and literally it could either mean that we incarcerate a person or more probably it means Rashi points out we could bind a person onto a pole for lashes. Vasrinan, we could incarcerate the person. Vavdinan hardafa, and we do our dafa. We'll see what our dafa means in just a moment. What does it mean? Hardafa, it's hardafa. So sharushe is hardafa. Shkayach, very helpful. My hardafa. Amrav Yehuda very dershmo by shilas mishmei derav minadin laalter. So literally, the hardafa means to pursue someone. So the Gemara says, what does it mean to pursue someone? That we excommunicate a person immediately. Excommunicate a person immediately. So Rashi says over here, miad dechevin delotzai esdina minadin also. See, here's what's interesting. One would have thought that the process of excommunication is exactly that, a process. Because again, it has many different ramifications. Yet what the Gemara is saying over here is we see that for certain egregious things, for certain things that are simply not supposed to be done, halacha say you can have hardafa. And hardafa means an immediate excommunication. An immediate excommunication. So the Gemara says, v'shonin la'achar lamid, u'machrinin la'achar shishim. And ultimately, again, we could, ex- we could extend an excommunication for another 30 days. In other words, a stam nidu, a stam excommunication is 30 days. If you need another 30 days, you could extend it another 30 days as well. After 60 days, So then you have what's called a cherem. So we're not going to get into the details over here, but there are different stages of excommunication, at least according to most opinions. So you have nidui, which seems to be a lower form, and cherem, which is a higher form. The real nafkamina that Rambam brings down is the form of social pressures that are applied to these individuals. So you could do a nidui for 30 days, you could then do a second nidui for another 30 days, and after that, if a person is still non-compliant, we put them in We warn a person for a Monday, a Thursday, and a Monday. That's true for monetary matters. So this is incredible. So when do we warn? We warn regarding monetary matters. But if the issue at hand is one of afkirusa, of literally afkirusa means to throw off the yoke. Whether we see that a person is blatantly throwing off the yoke of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a way that is destructive to greater society, or a person is throwing off the yoke of communal leadership, rabbinic leadership, we have the ability to go ahead and excommunicate immediately. Sigmar tells a story, a couple of interesting stories. There was a particular butcher, and he was disrespectful to Rav Tuvi Bar Masno. Imnu Ale Abai Varav Visham Tua, Sabai Rava excommunicated him. We're going to see that one of the reasons for an excommunication for, for, for a Shamtor, for a Nidui, ultimately is again disrespect towards the Torah scholar, Tamut Chacham. So the butcher made up, the butcher made up with Rav Tovi Bar Masna, right? So he made up with him, he apologized. Good. So I said, okay, now what should we do? If we release him from the excommunication now, here's what's interesting. See, the Gemara is presupposing that the minimum amount of time that a Nidui could be in effect is for 30 days. So they were wondering what to do. So apparently the butcher reconciled with Rav Tuvi within 30 days. So what should we do? Should we release him now from, from the from the excommunication, but it's been less than 30 days. Lo lishrile, if we don't permit him, kabo'u rabbanan lemeil. So here's the problem. 
He's the butcher. We need him. <laughs> we need him. Right? People have to buy meat. So we're stuck a little bit. On one hand, whereas he has not been excommunicated for 30 days. On the other hand, he is he's repentant and we also need him. So what should be done? So, so they said to Ravidi Bar Avin, tell me, have you heard anything about a case like this? What should we do? Literally, again, it is the tut. Tut means exactly what it sounds, a tut. The tut of the shofar that puts a person in nidui, and it's the tut of the shofar that can bring a person out. In other words, what he's saying over here is you, you don't have to wait 30 days. If at the end of the day, the person is repentant, the person made amends, the person fixed the situation, then one does not have to wait until one goes ahead and the 30 day passes. Rather, again, that we're going to see the same basin. It doesn't have to be the same basin, but the group that put him in is the group that could bring him out. Beautiful. So the Gemara says, Amrle, But that's only true when it comes to monetary matters. See, interestingly enough, the only time you could end a nidui within 30 days is when we're talking about monetary matters. But if Chas person was put into nidui because of what we call afkirusa, again, like I said before, the, the shaking off of the yoke of heaven or of the yoke of rabbinic authority, communal leadership, then that type of that type of excommunication remains for at least 30 days. So the Gemara says, So we'll say this is interesting. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, Abaye says, I'm sorry, you see from here that Abaye holds that it must be that the group of three, because we assume it takes a minimum of a Beisdin to put a person in excommunication, it must be the same Beisdin that put him in is the same Beisdin that takes him out. The Bailu, because the Gemara raised the Kasha, Hani if you have a basin of three that put a person in excommunication, can another basin come along and extract him from that right or release him from that excommunication? Tashma. So we learn the following. If a person is excommunicated for the Rebbe, by definition, he's excommunicated Lagabe the Talmidim as well. But if a person is excommunicated for the Talmidim, he's not automatically excommunicated for the Rebbe. If you're excommunicated in your city, by, which is your domicile, your residence, by definition, you are you are in a state of nidway for other cities. So the Gemara says, But if you're excommunicated in your city, excuse me, in other cities, it doesn't automatically mean that you're excommunicated for your city. If you're excommunicated for the Nasi, you're excommunicated for all of Klal Yisrael. But if you're excommunicated for Cloudly, so you're not automatically excommunicated for the Nasi. So I'll say, so the point over here is you see that when a person is excommunicated, you're, you're, the, the, the need or the shamta, which is another word for excommunication, applies to any situation of lower severity, but not of higher severity. So just the simplest example, again, if a person, chas v'shalom, you know, did something that causes him to be excommunicated for a transgression with one of his peers, so that works for his peer group, but does not place him in excommunication for his rebbe, right? Whereas if he's excommunicated because of a transgression against his rebbe, by definition, that devolves upon his peers as well. Interesting idea. So the Gemara goes, says, if let's say one of the Tamidim, one, which means one of the members of the Beisdin, who excommunicated the individual dies, ultimately, again, his part of the, of the their, his chilek, his part in the, in the excommunication can never be undone. Can never be undone. Shmamina, Tlas, we learn three things from here. Number one, Shmamina, Number one, we see, and we'll, we'll explain this a little bit more in just a moment, that when a Talmud Chacham excommunicates someone because that person offended him, right? That person slighted his, the Talmud Chacham's covet, that is a proper excommunication. Ultimately, we see that each person has the power to annul his part of the excommunication. And this is the part we're focused on. And what else do you see from here? That when three people create a, a nidui, when three people create an excommunication situation, it is only those 
three who have the ability to annul it. Amr says one second. Amr says no, that is not the halacha. The halacha is although there may be a certain three people who put a person in nidu, who put a person in excommunication or excommunicate an individual another group of three could come along and revoke or end that excommunication. The truth is the halacha has to be that way because if the halacha is not that way, you run the risk of three people excommunicating an individual for good reasons, I'm sure for good reasons, but lamaisa, then if something happens to one of them, if something happens to one of them, this guy could be stuck in Nidwe for the rest of his life. So therefore, Amemar says that's an untenable situation. So it must be that halacha lamaisa, halacha lamaisa, the three who put him in don't have to be the three that take him out. Another three could come along and end that original Nidwe. Incredible. So, but we just said before, Ravashi said to Amemar, said that if one of the members of the Beisdin dies, his his right his part in the annulment is never excuse me his part in the excommunication cannot be annulled. To which the says, "My love in a mufar klal doesn't that mean that it can't be annulled at all?" Lo No, no. What it means is that's to be another Beisdin. That's to be another Beisdin. In other words, his part. In other words, what the Gemara is saying is like this: You might have thought that perhaps when a member of the Beisdin dies. That the, that the excommunication immediately ceases with his death? Kamash Malon, no. It requires another rabbinic body to come along and, and annul that excommunication. Incredible. Tan Rabbanon, ein nidui pachos milam yom. So nidui is not less than 30 days. This is what we just saw before. Ve'in nezifa pachos mizan yomim. And nezifa. Now, nezifa, what's nezifa? Rashi says gara, means rebuke. We're going to see that there's another lower level. So if we were ranking this, it appears, based on the Skimara, that the most extreme situation is what we'll call chirim. Underneath chirim, you have what's called nidui, nidui slash shamta. And now there's a new category. This new category is called nizifa. Nizifa literally means rebuke. Rebuke means we're going to see you've done something wrong. You've done something wrong. Something that is an affront to someone else. Not severe enough for excommunication, but you get a, we'll call it a slap on the wrist. You, 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 you get, you're, you're rebuked. You're officially rebuked. You're sanctioned. You're sanctioned. Nothing really happens to you practically, but there is a more of a public recognition that what you did crossed the line. So the Gemara says, listen to this, and the Zifa, seven days. And even though there's no raya to this, right, this is not a biblical idea, meaning we've seen the concept of, of Chirim and Nidui from a biblical perspective, but Lamaisa again Nizifa, we have a Zeh Shnemar, Vaavia, Yarok, Yarak Bifanel, Haloti Kalem Shivas Yamim. This is by Miriam. But Miriam gets Saras. So the Pasik says essentially, if her father were to spit in her face, would she not be embarrassed for seven days? So from here we see a concept of rebuke for a limited amount of time for seven days. So the Gimara says, so the Gemara says, Rav Chista says, our Nidui, meaning he's our means the people in Babel. In Babel, our Nidui is like the Nazifa of Eretz Yisrael, which is interesting. So apparently in Eretz Yisrael, the rebuke of Eretz Yisrael was like the Cherem, like, like the Nidui, ultimately a Babel. So I think the, the sun is actually coming out. It's an incredible thing. First time, and I don't know since I've gotten here, haven't seen the sun. Although, again, the clouds in Eretz Yisrael are beautiful as well. Bar Hashem. So the Gemara goes right there. So the Gemara says, V'nezifa shalohen, v'nezifa didau shiva. And their nezifa is seven days. So the Gemara says, V'sulo, is that it? V'harib shem barabi ubar kafra hava yasi v'kagarsi kashlu shmaisos. Listen to this. So the Gemara tells the story. Rab Shimon barabi, and Bar Kafra were sitting and were learning. They had a difficulty with something they were learning. So Amrali Reb Shimon, Amrali Reb Shimon, Bar Kafra, Sarich Rebbe. So Reb Shimon, who was the son of Rebbe, said to Bar Kafra, you know, this is such a difficult matter. A matter like this really requires Rebbe. We need, we need Rebbe to help us. So Amrali Bar Kafra, Reb Shimon, Uma Rebbe. So essentially Bar Kafra said, who is Rebbe? In other words, Rebbe can't help us. Who is Rebbe that he's going to help us with this? So the Gemara says, So, I'm sorry, What could Rebbe possibly add to this? In other words, there's no Rebbe who could answer up this kasha that we have. 
So Reb Shimon told over this exchange to his father, Rebbe. And what happened? Ikbid. Rebbe was offended. Rebbe was offended. How does Bar Kafra know that I can't answer it? How does Bar Kafra know that I can't go ahead and give the proper answer to this? Just uh, be careful with the light over here. So how, how, how does Bar Kafra know that I can't go ahead and and give give the answer to this? So the Gemara says, So also Bar Kafra las Chazile. So Bar Kafra came to visit Rebbe. Now Bar Kafra had no, no idea what happened. So he went ahead and he came to visit Rebbe. Right? So Rebbe says, Bar-Kafra, I don't recognize you. I don't recognize you. So this, this could be a couple of, in other words, he could say, ultimately, again, now Rashi actually says over here, Rebbe was actually sick. Bar-Kafra came to be Mavakir Chola. He comes, and Rebbe says, oh, Bar-Kafra, I don't recognize you. Or, Bar-Kafra, I don't recognize you. The idea being, he was saying, Bar-Kafra, I don't, I, I don't recognize you in terms of like as an individual. So the Gemara says, So, so Bakafa realized that it must be Rabbi Shimon told his father what had occurred and Rabbi got offended. He observed Nizifa for 30 days. He observed Nazifa for 30 days. So the Gemara says, Another time, Rebbe made a gzera. What was the gzera? He said, Tamidim, right? You shouldn't teach Torah in the marketplace. You shouldn't teach Torah in the marketplace. What's the reason? My darash. So he quotes over here the beautiful Pasik. The beautiful Pasik from Shira Shirim. The Pasik says, The Pasik says, Chamoke Yerechayich Kimo Chaloim. So literally again, chamoki yerechayich. You're literally again. Your thighs, your, the riyarech is the thigh. Your thighs are hidden like precious jewels. What does that mean? My yerech So just like the hot, the thigh is a covered part of the body. Amud beis af divrei Torah beseser. So two words of Torah should be taught in private as well. Meaning, Rebbe felt that there's a certain tznius in Torah. And the tznius of Torah is such that Torah is not taught in public places. Torah is not taught ultimately in the marketplace. Torah requires a little bit of tznius, which is an incredible yisod, that ruchnius in general requires a certain level of modesty. A person doesn't have to wear their ruchnius on their sleeve. I'm a proud Jew, but I don't have to go ahead and, and be public about my spiritual endeavors. There's a certain sneers that a person should have. So the Gemara says, Yatsa Rabbi Chia Vishana Lishna so the Gemara says, Yatsa Rabbi Chia Vishana Lishne bin Echov Bishok. Lurav Ulurab Arachana Shama Rabbi Ikbid. Also, once again, the Gemara tells us that Rabbi Chia went out and taught his two nephews in the Shuk to Rab and Rabbi Rabbi heard, and Rabbi, Rabbi was ikbid. Ikbid means he was he was upset. He was upset that ultimately Rabbi Chia was teaching Torah in public. So the Gemara says, "As Rabbi Chia lischazuyele." So Rabbi Chia came to see came to see Rabbi, and what happens? And what happens? The Gemara says, "Amrale ayo." So ultimately, again, so Rebbe says to Rabbi Chia, Rabbi Chia had a problem pronouncing Ches, Rashi says. So Rebbe kind of mocks him a little bit and doesn't call him Chia, he calls him Ia. So at this point in time, Ia, Ia, someone's calling you outside. Yada dinakit mil sabedaite. So Rabbi Chia realized that ultimately, again, he upset Rebbe. Nag nezivusa menafshe tlosin yomin. He observed nezifa. He observed this nezifa, this rebuke, for 30 days. Shalach le ta. So Rebbe sent from Echia, said, All right, come and see me. Hadr shalach le delolesi. Then he sent another message, Rabbi Echia, don't come and see me. May kara my sarva myself, my sarva. So what, what happened over here, right? Why, 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 why in the beginning did he tell him to come? Then he told him not to come. What's going on? May kara sarva miktasiyom kikulo. So remember again, Rabbi Echia observed 30 days of Nazifa. In the beginning, Rebbe told him to come because Rebbe felt he told him to appear on the 30th day. Not a full 30 days, on the 30th day. Because in the beginning, he figured mixtzim kukula, part of the day, counts as the whole. Which, which again, we have that concept by Avelos, we have that concept in other situations as well. Part of the day counts as the whole. So he said, you could already come to me on the 30th day. 
Then afterwards he said, no, it must be that we don't hold Miktas Yom Kekulo. Part of the day does not count as the entire day. Sa'asa. Now remember, Rabbi Chia got the first message, never got the second message. Asa. Amrali Amai Asis. Rabbi says, so Rabbi Chia shows up. Rabbi says to him, why did you come? Amrali the Shalach. Poor guy says, what do you mean? You sent for me. You sent me a message to show up. I showed up. So the Gemara says, Amrali the Shalach. Mar Delesi. But I sent Rabbi said, I sent you another message not to come. <laughs> sent you a second message not to come. Rabbi says, I'm sorry. I only got the first message. I didn't get the second message. So the Gemara says, It says a very profound Pasek. Pasek in Mishlei says, when a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants a person to accomplish something, gam yashlim ito, even his enemies make peace with him. Kaddish Baruch Hu wants a person to accomplish something, even his enemies make peace with him. So Rabbi understood that obviously a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants Rabbi Chia to come out of the excommunication. That's why Rabbi Chia got the first message, he didn't get the second message. But I will say, what a profound Pasuk. When a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants you to accomplish something, so as long as you're willing to put in the work, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will help you to remove the obstacles. Now, it doesn't mean there won't be obstacles, because as the Pasuk says, Hashem when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is happy with the derech that you're taking, Kam your enemies will make peace, meaning there's still enemies. There's still enemies. There are still difficulties. There are still challenges. But when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is happy with the derech you're taking in life, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu will help you overcome those challenges. It's such an incredible yisod. Again, number one, to remind us that even if you're on the right path, you see, sometimes people think when they encounter a challenge, that's a simon that I'm on the wrong path. Not true. When you encounter challenge, that's just the simon that you're alive. Because life, by definition, the fabric of life has challenge. Every part of life has challenge. The difference is when I'm on the right derech, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will help me overcome the challenges. When I'm on the wrong derech, sometimes those challenges are there to stop me. You know, when to know, when to know when the challenges are there to make me work harder and when the challenges are there to make me stop and redirect, that's the great challenge of life itself. But such an incredible yisod. So the Gemara goes weiter. So my timer, my timer, my So the Gemara says over here. By the way, why did Rebbe? Yes, so Rebbe, why are you so insistent? Ultimate. I'm sorry. So Rebbe says, Rebbe Chia, why did you teach Torah publicly? You knew, you knew that I, I, I decreed against this. So why did you do it? Amrali Dixiv, because he quotes over here the pasuk from Mishlei Chachmos. Bachutz Tarona. Literally again, wisdom, wisdom should sing out, should, should sing outside. Chachmos, the wise ones, Bachutz Tarona should sing on the outside. So, so again, Rabbi Chia took this to mean that what? Torah should be spread. Torah should be disseminated. Torah should be publicized. So Rabbi says to him, So Rabbi gives him Moser. If you learned, you didn't review. And if you reviewed, you didn't review a third time. And if you reviewed a third time, then you didn't understand that which you learned the first three times. So the Gemara says, What does the Pasuk mean? The Amar Rava, I will say first wide line. Such a beautiful Gemara. Because after all, Rava says, What does it mean? What does that mean? That wisdom will sing on the outside. That means as follows. That when a person learns Torah, when a person learns Torah on the inside, what does it mean on the inside? When a person learns Torah in an emesdic way, in other words, we know there are two ways you could learn. You could learn Torah as an intellectual pursuit, which, which by the way, is an incredible first step, and at least a person's learning. I could learn Torah as an intellectual, but again, the Torah remains in my intellect. It never penetrates my heart and my soul. Or, I could learn Torah mibifnim. Torah mibifnim means I learn, and when I learn, I say, Ribbono Olam, I want Moit Kondath Tes Zayin to penetrate my neshama. I want it to become part of me. I want it to change me. I want it to influence me. I want it to be part of who and what I am. That's what it means to learn Torah mibifnim. When a person learns Torah mibifnim, Torah so machrezes alav mibachutz, then your Torah ultimately, again, literally, announces about you in public. What does that mean? When a person allows Torah to influence who they are, people see that I'm a different person. 
They see it. They see it. My, my, my different personality, it's, it's clear, right? It's, it's visible. I will say we know this. We know this because hopefully, hopefully we'll become people like this ourselves. Many of you are already people like this already. And we also know people like this, right? You know someone, like a person who learns Torah bifnim. The phrase is so profound. So Torah bifnim, to learn Torah in a way in which you allow Torah to course through your veins, to become part of who you are, to influence your neshama, to influence your heart, to influence your soul. When I allow for that to occur, when I allow for that to occur, then ultimately my identity, my persona externally is fundamentally changed. Externally becomes something different. Externally becomes visible to all. Incredible. The I but the pasuk over here says in Yeshayo lo merosh baseser dibarti. So the Gemara says hahu biyomi dekalo. That refers. I so the pasuk says Chashbaruch says I don't mean for my words of Torah to be taught in, to be taught in private. So it sounds like Torah should be publicized. So what does Rebbe do with the pasuk that seems to indicate that Torah should be publicized? Hahu biyomi dekalo. That's referring again to the Yachei Kala. Remember, I will say, they did have large shiurim, right? There wasn't the Pshat that Torah was always taught in private, you know, to one person. They had large shiurim with large gatherings. But there's a time and a place for that. There's time what we call the, the, the Kala. The Kala was the gathering of Tamidi Chachamim. Or again, gathering of Jews in general to go ahead and learn Torah. She says, Drasha Sham. These were the drushas that everybody came to. So there's a time and a place for a public Torah. I'll say, I'll also, I'll also mention, well, I'll also mention that when Rebbe went ahead and said you can't learn Torah in public, what he, I think what he was also referring to is, remember again, like the marketplace. There's also, there's also a place that's proper for Torah. In other words, the problem may not be public, the, the problem, it may be in public. In other words, teaching Torah in a marketplace, there's a certain, there's a certain lack of tzniyas in that, right? And that's the passage that Rebbe originally quoted. There's a certain lack of modesty in that. So to teaching Torah to great, to great numbers of people, that's magnificently beautiful. The issue is teaching it perhaps in a public setting, like a marketplace, that perhaps is what Rebbe didn't like. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Chia, hai chamoki my What does Rebbe do? What does Rabbi Chia do with the Pasuk of Rebbe? So Mokila Bitstaka Milas Chasodim. He says that the Pasuk of Chamoki Rechaich, that ultimately again, your hidden, your hidden thighs are like beautiful jewels. That reference that Torah should be covered, just like the thighs are covered, Torah should be covered, Torah should be private. He, so, so Rabbi Chia says, it's not talking about Torah. It's not talking about Torah, it's talking about Tzedakah and Gemilas Chasodim. That your acts of charitable kindness should be things that are done in private. Right? That a person, when they do Chasid, Chasid should be done quietly and privately. But Torah, Torah says Rabbi Chia, should be done publicly. Torah, scream it from the rooftops, influence and teach as many people as you can. Torah is public. Perhaps tzedakah, kamilos chasodim, that's a bit more private. So I'll say, Alma, now what's the alteggery from this? Alma, nezifa dido, tlasin yomin. So I'll say, but you begin to see that their nezifa, right, the nezifa, was 30 days, not seven days. To which the Gemara says, Nazifas Nasi shiny. It was different. Rebbe was the Nasi. And when you get Nazif, when you're rebuked from the Nasi, that's 30 days. When Nazifa didan, Kamahavi. And again, ultimately, again, our Nazifa. Our Nazifa in Bavel. So ultimately, again, how long is our Nazifa? Chad Yoma. Only one day. Nazifa in Bavel, one day. So the Gemara tells the story. Kiyavyasi Garsi Shmaisa Shmuel Mar Okva was sitting and learning. Haviyasi Mar Okva Kamei de Shmuel Berichok Talarama. So I'll say this is actually very interesting. So Mar Okva and Shmuel had an interesting had an interesting relationship. In that what? If you take a look, Rashi says Mar Okva Kitamid Lishmuel de Shmuel Gadol Batori Osimri Mar Okva. Shmuel was a greater Tamid Chacham, but right Shmuel was a greater Tamid Chacham. So therefore, again, when they would sit and learn. Mar Okva, right? Yosef Mar Okva Kamei the Shmuel Berichok Dalat Amos. Mar Okva would not sit within Dalat Amos of Shmuel when they were in the base Medrash learning. Because Shmuel was a greater Talmud Chacham. Vichi Haviyosef Bedina, but when they were sitting adjudicating a case, ultimately again. So remember, so so Shmuel was the greater Talmud Chacham. Mar Okva was the Nasi. 
So therefore, again, on a Beisdin level, like on a, like on a, on a court level, Marukva had the elevated position. So when they were sitting in the base Medrash learning, Marukva gave Shmuel the covet. He wouldn't sit within Daladamus of Shmuel. When they were sitting in a Din Torah, so ultimately, again, Shmuel would give Marukva, the Nasi, the covet, and ultimately sit at a distance of Daladamus from him. But interestingly enough, what they did is they made they put Marukva's seat in a way that he could overhear Shmuel learning as well. So that even when they were paskening halacha, even when they were paskening halacha, ultimately again they would place him next to Shmuel, so that Marukva would be able to hear what Shmuel was saying. So listen to this. So every day Marukva would accompany Shmuel to Shmuel's home, to where Shmuel to his lodging. Right. So remember again, Shmuel was a greater Talmud Chacham. So Marukva, in a show of deference to Shmuel, would escort Shmuel to his home every day. So ultimately, again, one day, Marukva got caught up in a Din Torah and therefore didn't escort Shmuel home. Actually, again, Marukva started walking home and he just was, he was, he was just involved. Shmuel was following behind Marukva. When they got home, So ultimately, again, Rashi says, so Shmuel was upset. Shmuel was offended. He said, Ultimately, again, you know, it's not enough. It's not enough that you made me walk behind you. Give me Rashus to go back. So Shmuel was offended. Shmuel was offended. Marukva realized that he offended Shmuel, and ultimately, again, he went ahead and he conducted himself in the state of rebuke for one day. We'll say, I'll just, well, we'll get to the end. I'll get, I have a few more minutes, so I'll get a few more minutes in, and then I'll just say something interesting about this. Well, let me just mention about this. Well, let's go on. There was a particular woman who was sitting in the pathway, and her leg was spread out, and she was she was literally winnowing barley. And walked by, and again she should have pulled her leg back so he could walk by. But she didn't. She didn't pull her leg back. Instead, he had just had to step over her. So what happened? Amr la. So, so the Gemara says, uh, I'm sorry, Amar Kama Chatzifai Isisa. So, Tam Chacham said to the woman, or about the woman, such a machutzefes, right? Such chutzpah. Why don't you pull your leg back? Or is it just common decency? So she came before Rav Nachman because she didn't know now what's her status. Like, is this like a Nazifa? What is this? So the Gemara says, Did he say the word Shamta? She said no. He didn't say any Shamta. So he said, okay, observe Nazifa for one day. Just observe Nazifa for one day. So Zutra Bar was learning in front of Rav Yehuda when he came to the following Pasuk. These are the f- final words of David. So the Gemara says, I don't understand, what does that mean? So there were first words, there were last words. What, what, is this, what does this mean? First words, last words. Rashi says, So this is interesting. The Gemara over here is quoting the Pasuk. According to the passage from Shmuel Beis, so Divrei, the Gemara says, is a lashon of Nevuah, prophecy. So when it sounds Divrei Davin this is the final prophecy, sounds like there was an earlier prophecy. But where do we ever find an earlier prophecy of King David? So the Gemara says, So remember again, this is, this is Zutra Bartovia saying this in front of Rav Yehuda. So we, he asked Hashem Rav Yehuda, so what happened? So Rav Yehuda didn't answer. So therefore, again, Zutra Bar repeated the question again. What were you showing him? So Rav Yehuda says, what, Why are you repeating it? What do you think? Because I don't know the answer to your question, not a Tamad Chacham. So Rav Yehuda didn't answer the question because he didn't know the answer. He didn't know the answer. Yet again, Zutra Bar repeated it. So Zutra Bar repeated it, maybe because just because he thought that Rabbi Huda didn't hear it. But Rabbi Huda was offended because he thought that Zutra was asking it again 
to embarrass Rabbi Yehuda, to embarrass Rabbi Yehuda, that he didn't know the answer. So Rabbi Yehuda got upset. What? Because I don't know the answer to this one question. I'm not a Talmud Chacham. So what happened? So Rabbi Yehuda realized that he offended Rabbi Yehuda, and therefore, he observed Nazifa for one day. That's a good kasha. What were the Rishonim? So right, what, what are you talking about when you say the Rishonim, the first Nevoah? So listen to this. The first words of Nevoah is when David HaMelech said the Shira on the day that HaKadosh Baruch Hu saved him from Shaul. Amr lo HaKadosh Baruch Hu le David. David, Shira ata Omer HaMelech Palaso Shal Shaul. You're singing Shira, you're singing a song about the downfall of Shaul. Il male ata Shaul v'hu David. If the roles were reversed and you were Shaul and he was David, I would destroy many Davids to go ahead and save one Shaul. Was his name Kush? Was Shaul's name Kush? Just like a Kushi, a person who is black, has a recognizably different skin. So to Shaul was Mishuna B'Maisev. Mishuna B'Maisev was... He was a tzaddik. That a Kaddish Baruch Hu was telling, Kaddish Baruch Hu was telling David, you know, Shaul made some mistakes. And he made some critical mistakes. And those mistakes went ahead and cost him the monarchy. But don't think for a moment that Shaul's mistakes, therefore go ahead and characterize him as a Russian. And this is an incredibly important yesod. People make mistakes. People make mistakes. But at the end of the day, just because they make mistakes does not take away from the goodness, the totality of the goodness of their persona. Shaul was a tzaddik, but he was a tzaddik who committed some critical errors, errors which cost him his life and errors which cost him the monarchy. But at the end of the day, he was still a tzaddik. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu conveys to David HaMelech, your characterization of Shaul is fundamentally flawed. So we'll have to stop over here for today, but I'll just point out two things. First of all, this last sort is incredibly important, that sometimes when people make mistakes, now there are mistakes that people make that fundamentally under, undermine and erode any sense of good that they've done. There are examples like that, unfortunately contemporary examples of that. But Lamaisa, more often than not, good people do bad things. Good people make mistakes, but good people make mistakes, the mistakes don't zero out the positive. The mistakes don't zero out the good, right? There's so much good that people do and we all make mistakes. David was wrong about Shaul. That's the one I will say one other thing and then with this I'll really conclude, which is, you know, it's, it, when you read these stories about one Rob offending another, this one offending this, you think that it sounds like a little bit petty. It does, it sounds like a little bit petty. So we'll say there's two incredible you sold us. Number one, people are people. People are people. Number two, people are sensitive. And number three, I have to try my best to be careful with people's sensitivities. You see, it would be easy to say, ah, being so sensitive, right? You hear this all the time. He's so sensitive. She's so sensitive. Sometimes when we say that, we say it almost like as an excuse, like, I, 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 I don't have to worry about your feelings because you're just overly sensitive. Now it's true, if a person is overly, a person has to work on themselves not to be overly sensitive. But Lamaise, if I know that somebody's overly sensitive, I have to try my best to not offend them. In other words, the job of a Jew is to be sensitive to other human beings. The job of a Jew is to be sensitive to other people. The job of a Jew is to be careful with other people's feelings. Ah, this one might be too sensitive. You might be right. You might be right. But Lamaisa, my tachlis, or at least one, of the, one, one form of tachlis in life, is to be a kind of mensch kind of person who's careful with the sensitivities and the, and the feelings of others. Maybe they're too sensitive. Maybe they get slighted too easily. But let me be conscious of the way that I act. Try to be careful with their sensitivities and try to act in the right way. So we'll stop over here for today. Shkoyach, everyone. I want to take this opportunity to wish everyone a good Erev Shabbos Kodesh, a beautiful Shabbos Kodesh, a parashas mishpatim, a nasev nishma Shabbos. And I'm going to look forward to continuing our learning next week. A good Shabbos.